So welcome. Perfect timing, right? Message nine in our series, Life Coach. You see this? Kind of, you got a coach here. The coach is the Apostle Paul. The book is 2 Timothy. 2 Timothy, if you're not there, turn there. That's the last book that the Apostle Paul wrote that's in the New Testament. And he wrote it to Timothy, the young man that he was mentoring. And this is the last letter Paul wrote before he was executed. And everything in 2 Timothy is it's this mentoring advice. It's this life coach advice that was directed to Timothy, but everything there is applicable to us. And we're learning a total of 15 different life coach lessons. And today we come to number nine, and it's summarized with be God's useful instrument. That's what I like you to do. I like you to do this. Look at one person there at your table, look at them in the eyes, and just say this to them. You are God's instrument. Just to say that to someone. That's true. You don't want to say you are God's tool. You want to say you are God's instrument. Although the Greek word for instrument is tool, which we're going to look at this morning. But one of the metaphors that we have in the Bible for how God sees us is that of an instrument. Interesting. For example, we see this in the New Testament. God said to Ananias, in reference to Saul, who would become Paul, in Acts chapter 9, verse 15, it's there in your notes, God said, go, this man, speaking about Paul, is my chosen instrument, would you underline instrument, to carry my name before the Gentiles and their kings. And the word instrument in the Greek language literally is a reference to a tool or a utensil. So, God's saying, you are my tool, my hammer. For some of us, we're different instruments. We're different tools. Some of us are a hammer. Some of us are a spatula. And, and all sorts of different tools. The imagery of a tool is what God likens us to. Now, I want you to notice what Paul says to Timothy about this. In 2 Timothy 2, and look at verse 21. We'll just jump there. And Paul says, if a man cleanses himself from the latter, we'll talk about what that means later, he will be an instrument, see that? For noble purposes, made holy, useful to the master. Paul's saying, Timothy, you're an instrument. Be a useful one. A useful instrument in the hands of God. You and I are God's instrument. We're called to be a useful instrument. There are two categories of instruments here talked about in this passage that we're going to discover today. Now, this instrument right here is my driver that I use today. This is a Titleist 915D2 amazing driver. It is incredibly useful. Incredibly useful. Now, this go driver, this right here is a Ping G10 driver. It's a great driver, but it literally has a crack in the face. So it's not as useful. I wouldn't use it at all. You see, in the Bible, there are two broad categories of instruments. Christians. There are useful, and there are not as useful. Wow. You know, when I was 17 years old, my game then was baseball. That was my most passionate game. And uh, this was the dream bat when I was 17. To have this Easton bat was what I dreamed for. 
but I couldn't afford it. It was very expensive, the most expensive bat back then, but I luckily had a grandma. And she loved baseball, she loved coming watching me play baseball, and actually she said, I will buy you that bat, and furthermore, I will fly out from Montana to California and watch you play and see you swing the bat that I bought. So I was a little bit nervous, Granny sitting in the stands. And, and, and you don't believe in God, okay? You're watching this on video, you will probably believe in God after this story. So I get up there with this bat, the dream bat, but first time I ever hit the bat, home run. Literally out of the park. Huh? There is a God, right? Huh? With this bat. Now my kids have since kind of taken the bat and misused it. I don't know, it's all cracked up now and everything. But I still have it at home. You know, this is the thing. All of us want to be taken into the hands of God. And allow God to use us in some amazing way. You know what? That's what God wants to do in your life. And see, Paul was talking to Timothy about the fact that, Timothy, you are God's instrument. You want to be a useful instrument. You see, some Christians, I'm sure you've noticed this, some Christians are used of the Lord more than others. Have you ever thought about why? The reason is, some Christians are more useful to God than other Christians. Just how it is. What's the key to being used of the Lord as His instruments in His hands to be used for His glory? It's not that complex. Paul gives us four keys to being a useful instrument that God will use for His glory. And this is what we're going to study this morning. Number one, useful instruments Stay clean. I mean, if you're a Christian who is committed to staying clean, you see, on the inside, God will pick you up and use you greatly on the outside. Look, if you would, at verse 20. In a large house, now picture a large house, there are articles. Now, in a large house, there are many articles. And the Greek word for articles here is the Greek word skuos. And it's a general word that means vessel, jar, container, dish, utensil, instrument, tool. It, any article used for a purpose is a skios. But Paul mentions specifically in these verses uh, two categories of articles or instruments. Now look at you. In a large house, there are articles. He says not only of gold and silver, but also of wood and clay. Some, he says, are for noble purposes, and some for ignoble. So first of all, you have this category of noble articles made of gold and silver, used for noble, honorable, special purposes or occasions, such as, I took a picture here, of our china. Here's a piece of china that we have in our house, silver lined, that's used for noble purposes, special guests that would come over. So there's one category that Paul's talking about. Special, honorable, noble articles. But then there are ignoble, ignoble articles. These are made of wood and clay that Paul says here. And these were used for ignoble or dishonorable purposes in a hot house. So here, for example, would be our clay uh, container that's covered 
that it contains bacon grease, that sort of thing. All of you have these type of articles. And you can imagine in the first century, without plumbing, what Paul is talking about as he's mentioning ignoble articles. We have a garbage can, for example, today in our home, in your home as well. And uh, that is also an ignoble article. Um, and we keep that garbage can. I think the garbage can, there's that garbage can. Out of sight as much as possible, just as you. Two categories. Paul is describing the different types of articles or instruments in a large house, which is symbolic of the different types of Christians in the large church of Jesus Christ. Paul is saying, Timothy, in the church there are many different types of Christians when it comes to their usefulness. The point here is this, to be a useful instrument, we need to stay clean. We need to stay clean. Look at verse 21. If a man cleanses himself from the latter, being an ignoble instrument, well, he will be then an instrument for noble purposes, made holy, useful to the master, that's God, and prepared to do any good work. Paul here is he's underscoring the critical importance of an instrument staying clean. Because that will impact its usefulness. Let's say, for example, that we are um, a knife. This is the instrument, maybe that God has made us to be. All of us are a different instrument that God has created in a sovereign plan. Let's just say we're a knife. Well, if we stay clean as a knife, we will be an instrument for noble purposes, made holy, useful for the master, prepared for any good work that God would have intended for us as his knife. The point is that useful instruments always seek to stay clean. Because you never know. When God may want to put his hand around you, pick you up, and use you. All of us have had the experience, I'm sure, that we've gone to maybe a restaurant, and we've sat down, and we're all hanging out with our friends or whatever, and all of a sudden we look down at our fork, or we pick it up, and it's what? It's dirty. What's the thing you do in that situation as the master of the table? You just ask, can I please receive a different fork? Because you don't, it's the same with God. God has a, a, a job he wants to do, something he wants to carry out in his name. Well, if the instrument is dirty, well, the likeliness of that instrument being used goes way down. This is not rocket science. If you want to be used in the Lord, you have to be clean. This is a picture of my son's 7-iron. This is a great instrument. 7-iron go 150, 60 yards. But I would never use this 7-iron because it's so dirty. Because just a little bit of dirt on, on, on the blade of this you know, iron can set off a ball 30 or 40 yards to the right or left. Here's a picture of my 7-iron. A little bit more clean. I would use that 7-iron any time. If I'm God, okay, and I'm not, but the Lord is just teaching us that he uses clean instruments. You see, look at verse 21. If a man cleanses himself, if, that's a big if. Let me ask you a question. As you go through life, are you cleaning your instrument? You are that instrument. Now, of course, God is the one who cleans us, but we need to come to him. And it talks about here how... Let's read about it. If a man cleanses himself, 
By the way, the Greek word cleanses is ekatharia, from which we get the word catharsis, which means to purge. To cleanse means to thoroughly and completely clean out or purge. I mean, even our grease container, you know that grease container I showed you? If it were to become thoroughly cleaned out, it would then become useful once it's purged and made the holy. How do we as God's instrument become useful for the master? How do we stay clean? We need to be washed. From what? Our sin constantly. Wow. You see, all this sin, and God understands that. The fact that you sin doesn't surprise God. God created you. He understands that you live in a sin-cursed world. He knows that you face these things, and that, that doesn't, you know, God gets that. What keeps us from being a clean instrument, watch this, is unconfessed sin. Where we hide our sin. Ignore our sin. We harbor our sin. I mean, when God comes across a Christian who's harboring their sin and hiding it, and, you know, it's there in a closet, and, and, and not admitting it to God, I mean, is the Lord going to pick you up and use you? He's going to say, deal with that first, brother, sister. The Bible says this. If we confess our sins, see, this is the big F. The big if. We're all instruments, but... Are you, going to, are you going to be a Christian who confesses their sin? If we confess our sin, the Bible says. And to confess our sin is just to agree with God that what you've done is wrong. It's sinful. It's like you have a talk with your kid about something. And Father may say, you're right, Mom, Dad. I, I admit to you I did this. That's confession. It's not hiding. It's getting out in the open and admitting you're wrong. The Bible says if you confess our sins... He's faithful and just and will forgive us and purify us. That's totally cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Wow. It's amazing how gracious God is. How he will clean our instruments if we will just admit that we are dirty. Um, one, of my, one of my favorite bands is a band called Sidewalk Prophets. And they have a song called Prodigal. And here's the chorus. I'm not going to sing it. But he says this, Where, wherever you are, whatever you did, by the way, God knows where you've been, what you did, all that. So why are you hiding from God? Wherever you are, whatever you did, it's a page in your book. It's a page in your book. It's part of your history. But it isn't the end. See, the enemy wants to come and say, yeah, you're a loser, it's over, just keep hiding it. God says, no, it isn't the end. It's a page in your book. Your father will meet you with arms open wide, says the song. See, this is God. He want, yes, he sees your dirt. He sees your filth. But his arms are open wide. Your father will meet you with arms open wide. This is where your heart belongs. Come running like a prodigal. Whatever you've done, whatever your sin, however dirty you are, so to speak, you know, Whatever the condition of your knife, of your knife, just come running like a prodigal. God will just clean you and wash you and make you, watch this, a useful instrument again that he can pick up anytime he wants to use you and use you in a great way for his glory. But the question is if. If you, Christians continually confess their sin, there isn't a day that goes by. I sin every single day. There isn't a day that goes by where I am not praying, Lord, cleanse me. And like I've taught you in other lessons, 
Christians throughout the day are confessing their sin because we sin every day. And as you get into that pattern, God continually cleans you, cleanses you, and he's constantly using you. Some of you in the front row are getting a little concerned. <laughs> you know, a few years ago, <laughs> I was noticing something in our uh, bathroom. Here's a picture of our bathroom. And I noticed that my wife, my dear wife, she would wash her hands, and I could see her. And uh, by the way, this is Pebble Beach, 18 pole, in case you understand in the background that Tracy painted that for me. And uh, so this is my towel, this is Tracy's towel. And the sink's right here. Tracy would always wash her hands, and then I'd watch her. She would, I, would, I was like, why, why does she ever dry her hands on my towel? I'm like, and she would always reach past this towel and go, go to that towel, three feet away. And I was like, my wife is so sweet. She would never want to dirty my towel. Uh, I've watched her do this over the years. And then it dawned on me, I thought, is she not drying her hands on my towel because she thinks my towel is dirty? <laughs> and then one day, I came up to Trace, I go, Trace, I just have to ask you, I go, I notice every time you wash your hands and you, know, you, you, you choose to dry off, you know, you never dry your towel on my towel. You always go to yours. I go, is that because my towel is like dirtier? She's like, Mark, have you ever noticed where that towel touches? <laughs> <laughs> I went, wow! Let me say, if you want God to pick you up and use you, as an instrument for his glory, you got to be clean. Amen? I want you to talk about that on your tables. How are you learning to keep yourself clean to be God's useful instrument? Talk about that. Go for it. Not rocket science. A useful instrument needs to be clean. Second is this. Useful instruments flee filth. Now this is very similar to the first point, but it's different in that this is the proactive part. You see, the best way to stay clean is to never get dirty in the first place. And this is what Paul says in verse 22. He says, flee Timothy, if you want to stay clean as God's instrument, flee the evil desires of you. Now Timothy's a young guy. And, and Paul is very personal right here with Timothy. He's measuring him. He realized Timothy is full of hormones. Young guy. He says, flee the evil desire of you. Now what does Paul have in mind? Certainly lust. Sexual temptation. Would have definitely made it to the top of the list. Even in 1 Corinthians 6.18, Paul said, flee from sexual immorality. All other sins a man commits are outside his body, but he who sins sexually sins against his own body. You know, that's the only time in the Bible that sin is talked about as sinning against your own body. There's something very unique about sex sin. It's literally damaging to your own body, let alone your usefulness. Nothing will prevent you being used of God more, in my opinion, than sexual sin. Nothing. There's something about sex sin so damaging to our soul but also to our usefulness. How many Christians, they forego the privilege of being used of God in special ways. 
God would take you in his hands and use you, and it's sexual sin that prevents that. The only way to overcome sexual sin is to continually flee it. That's it. That's what the Bible teaches. This is what, look what Paul says. He says, flee the evil desires of you. Flee. That's a present imperative command. It should be read, Timothy, continually flee the evil desires of you. Continually. And by the word, way the Greek word flee is fugo, from which we get the term fugitive. So Paul here is picturing for us a person who is always on the run in order to escape capture by sexual sin. Always on the run. By the way, this is normal Christian living. Do not think you're the only one if you're tempted sexually. Every single person is. And every Christian, watch this, who is being used of God is continually, consistently, all the time, having to flee sexual temptation. Always. Always. That's normal Christian living. That's not strange. That's just how it is. Think about Joseph and uh, Potiphar's wife. And we remember the story. Joseph became the main uh, servant in the home. And, and here the, 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 the wife of the owner of the plantation has the hots for Joseph. And Joseph ultimately, you know, she says, come to bed with me. But he left his cloak in her hand and had to run out of the house. Genesis 39, 12. If you're in ministry, you're going to have this kind of thing. I have had these kind of things. My wife has had these kind of things. The solicitation. Uh, it's almost the more you're used with God, the more you are going to be tempted in this area. And the more Satan will come at you in this way. Just so you know. That's part of it. It's a battle. And, and, and Paul realized this would be a battle for a pastor you're a target. You just are. Here's Timothy, not married. Paul's talking to him. Flee, Timothy. You've got to continue to flee. There's nothing. Sex is awesome. I, I need to do a series on sex at some point. In marriage, it's amazing. And that's what God's designed it for. But anything out of marriage, it's sin. Wow. We've got to be fleeing that. Fleeing the evil desires of you. Why? Because sexual sin, if acted upon, will make you dirty, unclean, not fit. It's just, it'll dirty the knife. And it's like, and this is personal to God because 1 Corinthians 6.19 says, Your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit, so the Lord lives in me. Part of God and have an affair, I'm uniting my body with a prostitute. I'm taking Jesus into that. What is that going to do to my soul, my relationship with God, and my usefulness to the Lord? Whew! This is a heavy deal. It's a heavy deal. Now, there's forgiveness, and there's grace, and the Lord, He is so good. But I'm telling you, if you want to be used to the Lord greatly, this is an area you have got to protect. Why would the Master choose to use that dirty knife? Wow. But that's where we come to the Lord for his cleansing again and again and again. But if you want to become an instrument that God will continually use, you need to continually flee sexual temptation. 
Uh, Romans 6.13 says, Offer the parts of your body to Him as instruments of righteousness. Yes, it's an ongoing battle, but this is what you do. You continue to offer your body to the Lord in a righteous way as His instrument for righteousness. You know, years ago, I'm not even sure why this memory came to me, but I was driving down the road uh, with another pastor. This is years ago. And we're just talking about life, and it got quiet, and he just said to me, he goes, it was out of the blue. I didn't even understand what, where it was coming from. And he said, he goes, Mark, because I just noticed God is using you in such special ways. And I'm like, hey, it's the same with you. He's like, no. He goes, there's things going on in my life. And I go, I go, we all have things going on. And it kind of just ended there. It was kind of this cryptic moment. I went, wow. And we started talking about other things. And then a few months later, did I find that he was really battling with sexual compromise. And he was having an affair. His wife found out. And he's a pastor. And he was let go of ministry. And his whole marriage ended in divorce. And it just, I was like, Lord. Oh. That just took him out of everything. And here's the thing, I guess, I would like to say, you know. The way to guard against a major fall is to consistently plead the minor areas of sexual temptation. That's how you guard yourself against a major fall like having an affair. You've got these little foxes that spoil. These little areas you and I have to guard against. How can we be the tool God wants to use? You gotta stay clean. You gotta flee sexual immorality. It's a constant, ongoing battle. But in God's grace, you flee it. You stay clean. You confess. You continue to confess your sin. Number three, useful instruments pursue godliness. Now, if you're a, a Christian who is pursuing godliness, which is Christ-likeness, which is godly character in your inner being, you will become a useful instrument in the hands of God. Uh, you say, how do I pursue godliness? How do I pursue Christ-likeness? Look if you would. Paul says in verse 22, he says, Now, Timothy, flee the evil desires of you. And then he says, pursue these things. This is the pursuit of someone who's going to be godly. You're pursuing not sexual issues, but righteousness, faith, love, and peace. Those are the four qualities of a godly or Christ-like man or woman. A godly person is a person who is pursuing these four things in their inner life. As these four spiritual qualities characterize, characterize your life more and more and more, you'll become use of God greater and greater and greater. As these things grow in your life, look, righteousness, faith, love, and peace, as those characterize your life more and more and more. Question, are you pursuing these things? This last week, have you grown in your soul in the area of righteousness, faith, love, and peace? Are you managing your life in such a way that you're carving out some time in your life to cultivate these qualities of righteousness, faith, love, and peace? By the way, these are four qualities that characterize Jesus. Think about the life of Jesus. He was a man of righteousness, faith, love, and peace. This is who we are ever to be pursuing and becoming. And as you become these more and more on the inside, God uses you more and more on the outside. I mean, if you're not this, if you're, the, if you're the opposite of this at work or in your neighborhood or wherever you're at in, your, in life, in the public, 
the degree of which God is going to use you if you're not righteous, no faith, little love, lack of peace is very little. But if these areas rise in your life, whoa, will God begin to use you. Righteousness is rightness. It's integrity. It's truthfulness. It's fairness. It's justice in your inner life as well as your outer life. And if you're growing in your integrity as a man or a woman, there's no end to how God will use you. But if you're compromising and lying and cheating and stealing at work, and, I mean, that's going to undermine the usefulness. Faith is a consistent trust in God rather than in our own uh, carefully devised securities. You're tr trusting in the Lord. Uh, love is acting in the best interest of another person. That's what love is. It's not a feeling. Love ultimately is just saying, regardless of my feelings, I'm going to act in the best interest of my husband, wife, neighbor, friend, co-worker, whatever. I just read this story this last week about a man who's at a restaurant, and this waitress is doing the best job serving all these tables, and she's trying to serve him the best, and in the meantime, she's having another conversation with another waitress, and she's talking about how she's overwhelmed with life, and she's going to college and her school bills. She's like, how am I ever going to pay off my school bills with this job that I'm making minimum wage. And one man is listening to her speak, sharing this, and uh, provides, uh, you know, pays the bill, goes over to the manager, pays it, gives it to the manager, and the manager looks at it, and, and then waves the lady over as the man exits, and, and the, the waitress, and she thinks she's in trouble, what did I do? And this is what was shown to her, here she is. She gets a tip of $1,000. The meal was $9.69, a $1,000 tip, and she just said, that man just gave you that tip to help you with your school bill. I think the impact that this man had on her life because of love. I mean, when, when the love of Jesus wells up in your heart and it's shown in demonstration, this is Christ's likeness. But let me tell you, the likeliness of love showing in your love, but showing outside in your life, if you are not a clean instrument, if you're caught up in sexual immorality and, and, and you're not confessing your sin, the likelihood is you're not going to show love because it takes a clean instrument to manifest righteousness, love, faith, and peace. Peace is this inner tranquility. It's this calm and contentment. And as these things are cultivated in your life, as this is the pursuit of your life, these character qualities, it just rises up and shows, and, it, and God uses you in amazing ways. And you'll start to hear people come up to you and say things like, everyone around here swears. I mean, how come you never swear? See, righteousness is rising up in your life, and people are noticing that. You're different. And it's like a good difference in a dark world that people are like, things are crazy around here. Why do you have so much peace? Well, this character quality in the midst of the craziness at work is showing up. People see it, and God is using you. Everyone hates that person. How come you're a friend to like everyone? I mean, you're so friendly. How come? Your love is just permeating your life. You're not cut off in sexual immorality. You're confessing your sin, and the qualities of these four areas are just starting to shine everywhere. And guess what? You're amazed. God is using you. This is how God takes us as his tool and uses us for his glory. I'd like you to talk about this at your table. Can you share about a time that God used you as his instrument 
because of one of these four qualities in your life, it begin to shine in a situation. Talk about that if you will. We're talking about four ways to become God's useful instrument. Useful instruments, according to Paul, is his mentoring Timothy, and they stay clean through confession. They flee sexual immorality, and they pursue godliness, Christ-likeness, the character of Jesus in these four areas that we looked at. The fourth quality is this. Useful instruments pursue godly relationships. If you're a man or a woman who is pursuing godly relationships, godly friendships, people that are like Jesus, they're part of your circle of friends, wow, the Lord, that is so key for becoming a man or woman that God uses. Look at you, what verse 22, Paul says. He says, Lead the evil desires of you. Okay, we talked about that. Pursue righteousness, uh, faith, love, and peace. And then he says, along with those. In other words, be with those, Timothy, who call on the Lord out of the pure hearts. In other words, pursue those who call out to the Lord, who pray to the Lord. <coughs> a pure heart. So let me just ask you this question. Are you pursuing relationships, friendships, with people who pray, who talk to God, who call upon the Lord? I mean, that, that is just such a basic, but that is like a question you should really ask about your life. I mean, if you're serious, if you're like wanting to be a Christian who God will take in his hands and use greatly for his glory, you've got to say, what kind of friendships do you hang out with? What a great test to evaluate the godliness of the relationships that you are allowing to shape your life. Prayer. Do the people you hang out with pray? When a crisis comes, do they call out to the Lord or do they just start calling out in swear words? When it's time to eat a meal, do they give thanks? This is just basic. I mean, if you want to be used with the Lord, the people you hang out with, if they're not praying, what kind of influence are they having on you? And if they're not being used to the Lord, do you think if they're your best friends, that's rubbing off on you? Yeah, that's rubbing off on you. That doesn't mean we shouldn't have non-Christian friends. We should. But if they are the ones influencing us, are you kidding me? That is just like a recipe for not being used to God. That will just dull your blade, so to speak. As your relationships go, so goes your usefulness as God's instrument. And generally speaking, the degree to which God is using your best friends, that is the degree that God will be using you. You want to know what your you know, future is and how God's going to use you? Just look at your best friends. If you're happy with how God's using them, because that's what you're becoming like. Why? We become like our best friends. It's as simple as that. Our relationships are vitally important to this whole theme. This is what Paul's mentoring Timothy in. He's saying, Timothy, you want to be used by all means. Make sure you're hanging out with people who really pray, who look to God. You know, First uh, Corinthians 15, 33, it's on your notes there. Bad company corrupts good character. Bad company corrupts, in other words, your usefulness. 
Come back to your senses as you ought and stop sinning. I mean, in the relationships is the context here that you're choosing. Proverbs 13, 20. He who walks with the wise will grow wise. In other words, you walk with people who are being used of the Lord, guess what? They're going to affect you, and you're going to be used of the Lord. They're going to rub off on you. But a companion of fools will suffer harm. Oh, man, there have been so many times in my life when I shouldn't have been hanging out with people I chose to hang out with, and I really paid the price. I suffered harm. Probably all of us can relate to that. I mean, one of my you know, experiences actually was when I was just in fifth grade, I'm hanging out with a kid who's like in seventh grade, and I shouldn't have been. And his parents were all gone, and his actually had four sisters, and they were all gone, out shopping with the mom. And we're hanging out in the house, and he's like, hey, he showed me a dollar bill. And I'm like, a dollar bill back then was like $50 today, you know? And he's like, hey, I got something for you. I'll give you this dollar bill. And I'm like, what do I have to do? He goes, all you need to do is strip buck naked. Just get naked, run out, touch the, the tree on the front lawn, come back, and I'll give you the dollar. I'm like, bring it! So, of course, I take all my clothes off, look both ways, street is clear, I run out, touch the tree, and then the worst noise ever, the door slams shut. The dead bones. I run back, and I'm banging on the door. It's one of those doors with, you know, slap. I can see through the window. He's just cracking up. He's dying laughing on the floor. And all of a sudden, like, Calvin, that was his name. Open the door, open the door. Big up, looking down the street, knowing. And all of a sudden, I looked in the street, and there comes Kelvin's mom with the four sisters in the blue toilet. <laughs> Calvin, your mom's coming. He doesn't hear me at all. And these, it was a full moon out that day. All these ladies. I'm, <laughs> I, oh, man. I mean, all of us have those stories, and that's kind of a humorous one. We can pay the price. But I have the other stories, and so do you as well. Godly relationships, wow, do they influence us in the area of being used of God. I mean, the times I've been able to spend with men who impacted life, my life, who sharpened me. As uh, Proverbs 27, 17 says, iron sharpens iron, so does one man sharpen another, one woman. I mean, guys like Bill Drake, and uh, who you don't even know, he's one of my best friends, and uh, John Bechtel, and a Larry Bold, and uh, a Dave Von Rhodes, and a Danny Strange, and my dad, and my mom, and uh, my wife, and many of you in this room who so sharpened me. I love being around people who are being used like crazy of God. It just sharpens me. I can't get enough of that. You have to guard your relationships. If you are a young man or a young woman here, here who want to be used of God greatly, you've got to guard your relationships. And watch this, the most important relationship ever is who you're going to marry. Ever is who you're going to marry. Never settle. And the person you've married right now, you didn't settle, that's God's will. You make the most of it for his glory. But if you're not married, you have your eyes on what that standard is. You trust God for that because that will influence you more than anything. And then you pursue godly relationships. It's so important, the relationships you pursue. So I'd like you to talk about this. What relationship has helped you become a more useful instrument for the Lord? Talk about that, then we'll wrap it up. All right, let me wrap it up with uh, this little memory. 
few years back, I had the privilege of meeting San Francisco Giants Barry Bonds. And uh, yeah, we just kind of ran into each other. I was at a golf tournament, and uh, we ran into each other. He's like, hey, Mark, how you doing? I just said, Barry. And he goes, no. And we just shook hands and, and talked, chat for a little bit. And I remember shaking his hand, just going, literally going, wow. I mean, I'm shaking hands with a guy who, when he had a bat in his hands, has hit more home runs than any other man alive. 762 home runs. And you know, then as I was preparing this message, I was just thinking about how God wants to take me in his hands and do something beyond whatever I could imagine. And that the Lord is just saying one thing to me. Because I always apply this to me first, before I'd ever meet you. I believe the Lord is just saying, Mark, ever be that clean instrument. Just be my instrument. The best you're able with my grace in your strength. In your strength, in my strength. Just be that instrument. Be useful so I can pick you up at any time and use you for my glory. And Paul, our life coach, is telling us, and he's told us this morning, four ways that this happens. And I need to share with you, these are four real ways that constantly, I, in, in my relationship with God, these are the four things that I'm always working on. You never arrive at these four things. But truly, these are the things that make you useful as the Lord's instrument. Stay clean through confession. I didn't say, and the Bible doesn't say, stay clean by never sinning. You're going to sin, and so on. But you stay clean through confession. Confess it when you sin. Don't hide it. Stay clean also sexually by fleeing all types of sexual temptation. It's a constant ongoing battle but you flee. It's part of what it means to be God's useful instrument. Pursue godliness in your character. And these four things that we talked about, righteousness, faith, love, and peace, pursue those things. And guess what? That comes one way, through the Word of God. As my nose is in this book every single day, every day in the Word, saying, Lord, make me like Jesus, that's where it comes. The Word of God transforms us into that character. And then guess what? You pursue relationships with people who are also being used to the Lord. You get close to them. Let them rub off on you. Here's your uh, game changer challenge. I close with one of these every time. D.L. Moody said this. The world has yet to see what God can do with a man, or woman I would say, fully consecrated to him. And D.L. Moody said, by God's help, I need to be that man. My question to you is, what if you made this your aim? What if you said, Lord, by your grace, I want to be a man or woman fully consecrated to you, clean, godly, godly relationships? Let's pray. Lord Jesus, thank you that you've made us your instruments. Help us to be useful instruments. This is your desire in your hand. Help us by your grace, Lord, to stay clean, to flee filth, sexual immorality, to pursue godly character and relationships. The world has yet to see what God can do with a man 
or woman who's fully consecrated to you, by God's grace, help us to be that person. Fully consecrated to you as your useful instrument. All God's people said? Amen. Amen.